You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves in the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Each week, Roger is joined by Joe and Vince. For the Lord, this is Roger coming to you on the 6th of February. We have got a great show lined up. We're going to start off with some MMO news. And we'll start off with SWOTOR. And it was news that actually made me finally bite the bullet and say, okay, I'm done for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I actually put my my uh, my subscription on hold for the time being. I had it actually for a while now I've had that sucker active and with the conversion rate the Canadian conversion rate I was paying damn near 25 bucks a month for it and it just wasn't Jeez. worth it so the thing with the what they're doing now and I I'm actually I encourage people still to play it and I like what they're doing because they're not just catering to one group. They worked on the single player stuff. Now they're going to be doing more of the operation stuff for guilds. And then they're talking about also some more PVP stuff and all that. So they're trying to, again, appeal to all different types of players. If you are the kind that has a really good guild and you enjoy doing the operations, then there's going to be some cool stuff coming up soon they're already talking about not just 5.1 which is defend the throne but also they're already looking ahead to 5.2 which is the war of iocath and there's some cool stuff going on there story wise as well with this new weapon on the planet kind of akin to a death star except much smaller but still very dangerous and you gotta work to to basically get rid of that I, I would assume also potentially use it, depending on which side you go with. That'd be kind of interesting. Uh, what's cool, too, is how they're going to be working with factions moving forward as well, which was fairly interesting because there was always, again, the two main factions. But then once you started in on the the expansions, the Knights of the Old, or no, sorry, the... Um, Knights of the Fallen Empire. Then there was that third faction, your alliance, and you are still the commander of your alliance. And you're going to be given options to choose sides later on. And you can even side with the opposing faction, not alliance opposing, but your alliance, your opposing mm-hmm. faction. And I kind of think, again, those are really cool things. War has got to change people. So it does have to have an impact on your character in terms of who they will choose to side with, especially once you go into your alliance. Because once you start questing and doing those alliance quests and recruiting and whatnot, you're recruiting from both factions existing factions, I should say, to work with you. So faction lines kind of get blurry after a while. And so here you're going to kind of push that a little bit further. And again, I really dig that. The only thing is, is unfortunately, again, it's going to be more heavy towards group content and operations to the point where they were even saying some of the story, not all of it, you're going to be able to get the gist of everything that's going on, but some of the story will be hidden behind that wall. And I've never been a fan of that. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I'm okay with it just because of we've seen how they did with the Shadow of Revan stuff that, okay, when this expansion's content is over with and it's time to move on to the next one, they theoretically can very easily make these operations yes. into soloable quests yes, again. Yes, so I, yeah. I'm okay with making it exclusive to the people who are putting in the time and effort for a little while. Yeah, yeah, this is true, this is true. So, again, there's not a ton of stuff that they were talking about at their last... Um, uh, Twitch stream, they did talk again about 5.2, probably coming out end of March, beginning of April. There's going to be a lot of stuff there. And 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 there's going to be some some very cool new ops bosses as well. I don't know if either of you watched the video. They were talking about one of the new ops bosses, and they said, like, there's no banana for scale here, but if you were standing beside this guy, you might reach his knee. And I was like, oh, crap. 
<laughs> okay, that's kind of awesome. So, anyways, for folks that are interested in that kind of content, then this is going to be just fantastic, and they will be very happy to finally get some more operations and stuff in. I'm going to just kind of wait until later on and probably resub at a at a later date. So, for the mm-hmm. time being, I'm still kind of trying to decide if I'm going to get another sub going for something or not. I was considering, uh, I'm not doing wow because again, we've already established I'm not digging the content as it is now. And I was thinking about potentially doing DC universe online, possibly to rip through a whole bunch of that content. But then there's some really cool stuff coming down the pipe for both Wildstar as well as elder scrolls online too. So uh, Joe, I'll let you take the Wildstar stuff to talk about the new dungeons that are coming out, which Again, in typical Wildstar fashion, pretty lore heavy, and I love that. There's a lot of cool stuff. So they're doing uh, this big focus on uh, post-50 leveling and stuff like that, which makes sense because when you get to the max level in in an MMO, what are you going to do? Roll an alt or, you know, are the developers going to try to give you more things to do? Well, they're trying to give people more things to do, which, you know, they're going to be scaling up some of the older content, uh, some of the old, uh, basically their versions of dungeons and, and things are going to try to scale up so that people can do them. And in the update that's going to be doing that, which I believe they're calling it the Primal Matrix, they're bringing two new dungeons that are absolutely phenomenal sounding. Uh, the first one is straight out of like the old sci-fi event horizon, Lost in Space type stuff, which that. is, <laughs> that made me so happy. Oh, yeah. And I and my first read through, I actually missed the part where the the person said, "Yeah, this sounds like Event Horizon." And I'm reading through, and I'm like, "This sounds like Event Horizon," and I'm just like, "Yeah, it kind of does." So the idea is that this takes this particular dungeon starts on the Mordash homeworld of uh, Grismara. I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong. Sorry, and it's during the planetary blockade by the Dominion. So trying to escape the blockade and trying to get off, one of the 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 uh, the Mordash captains jets out like gets the spaceship with an experimental drive to try to essentially blink past the blockade well in true sci-fi horror story fashion that goes terribly wrong and they get lost into the ether and so what winds up happening is here it looks like uh, players can go and explore uh, the shade which is the the ship uh, because it has come out of the ether by nexus quote go figure and uh, it's got apparently uh, handwritten notes from the the crew. Uh, like it looks like a, they men- made mention of some audio files, audio logs from the captain describing the slowly decaying situation and how everything is trapped in limbo. And what they wound up happening to them as their serums, uh, Vitalis, the thing that Mordash need to stay alive, start to dwindle. And it's really it's a cool concept because that's one of the things I always loved about Wildstar is they didn't shy away from like the horror aspect of things. And they definitely really latched on to that like 50s B movie horror sci fi type thing. And I really love that. What I like, too, is that the game is presented in such a way that because of the cartoonish style and the, the way that the quest lines are written and the lore and all that, it's like you're saying, they embrace the campiness of these tropes. And in so doing, they just make it a ton of fun and it works. Like the the Mordesh stuff, like I, a lot of people feel the same way too. Like there's not quite enough in the game for history wise and to get a lot of the backstory on them and just to focus just on them. So when you see this and you see that this is going to really be Mordish heavy, giving you a lot of, of, of that ingrained lore that you would get, Oh man, it just sounds like a ton of friggin' fun. Yep. I 100% agree with you on that. And then the other one, which is uh, cold blood Citadel is basically in the, uh, I think it's in the north, it's called Osun. Uh Leader of the Osun is like this northern tribe, and apparently the big bad Mambo Jambo is dead. And uh, you go to investigate, and apparently there are things trying to get you to eat each other, which I thought was kind of interesting. So basically, as you go around in this frozen north, you're trying not to be devoured. And what does that sound like? What movie does that sound like? It sounds like The Thing. Yeah. 
everything here sounds like like the way they're describing it, like the abandoned outpost, the way that the Citadel is going to feel uh, that it looks like there might. But they're doing it a little magic heavy. Not only are there going to be like machines and elementals and stuff like that, but there's going to be like witches and things like that that you have to face off in this frozen north uh, fortress type place. It is absolutely hysterical. This, I think, is actually going to be kind of cool, too, just because um, it's a little more earthly based compared to like the sci fi aspect. It swings hard to the fantasy side. And I think that's going to be really cool to to kind of walk through. Like these two things are actually making me like install the game again. Yeah. Yeah. No, they do sound fantastic. And actually, they're a little I'm glad that they're they're creating more of these to entice people to get back into the game. And that's what it's going to do. Because if nothing else, I definitely want to get in just to be, to run through these a few times kind of thing. Just because they, especially the the the, the, the ship one, it just sounds like so much fun. This is something that I would love to run through with you because I think we'd both be screaming at the same thing. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. We also got some news for Elder Scrolls Online. Again, that's another one that's been pumping in some content periodically as well. And we've got a bunch of stuff coming with this one as well. Vince, you had to link some stuff and then we'll go to Joe as well because he was going to talk about the uh, the housing as well. Yeah, I, apparently Bethesda is making a big push on Elder Scrolls Online this year. They I mean, they forked over the cash for friggin' Super Bowl commercials yesterday. <laughs> so they're, they're hoping for big things. And I guess you can anticipate big things when you have the word Morrowind associated mm-hmm. with it. <laughs> because we have the next expansion coming to Elder Scrolls Online. And it's simply called Morrowind, where you're moving into the realm of Morrowind for whatever the hell's going on up there. Uh, they're also introducing a new playable class, the Warden, uh, focusing on uh, nature magic with a big ass war bear. So it, it looks really cool. But I mean, the, the obviously the big draw here is going back into that realm that most people associate with kind of the core of the Elder Scrolls franchise. Oh, dude, I saw Morrowind and like... I was very close to just kind of going, oh, wait, that's my MMO now. Because that's, <laughs> I, I am so entrenched into that very specific area of the Elder Scrolls. Mm-hmm. And partially because that was, that was the introduction. Like I, I played the other one, but nowhere near kind of as dedicated. It was a Morrowind that we invested hundreds of hours in. So again, when I saw that, it was like, that nostalgia of like, oh my God, I would love to see how they're going to implement that in an MMO. That's that's bloody awesome. And, and not only that, given the way the time frames work out in the games, this is actually 700 years before the events of Elder Scrolls 3. So it's going to be a very recognizable world and setting, but also very different in numerous ways. And that's going to be exciting as well. Yeah, definitely. I don't know about you, but I'm, I was really excited about one certain aspect that they were announced that I believe went live today. Um, housing, yeah. because housing is always important, not just in MMOs as far as I'm concerned, but Elder Scrolls as well, mm-hmm. because all of the Elder Scrolls games like that, I, I, that worth assault, you could claim a house and build it the way you wanted to, especially in Skyrim. I know people that have spent probably a thousand hours in just Skyrim alone doing nothing but like building their damn house up. But I actually caught this. And the reason that this came up on my radar today is because I happened to see scapes was one of the people handing out Ritz in game because he works for them now, which I thought was absolutely hysterical. Uh, So you go to the bank and you can actually like purchase a house with in-game gold, or you could, you know, purchase a, uh, a room at the inn and have it be your own, or you can, purchase an apartment or various sizes of houses and all sorts of different locations. Uh, I believe they said it was going to be any of the pre expansion locations are going to, most of them have it Uh, basically non DLC zones. I think that's kind of cool. Like the variety that they're showing is phenomenal. The only thing that I'm concerned about is um, how they're going to be allowing you to, furnish it and whatnot like they did say all of the caps and the different things but mm. that's not what i'm concerned about i'm i'm concerned that it's going to have the same feel as uh, as sotor's housing which <laughs> i've got a couple of those 
that I, I bought when they were like Life Day sales. I messed around with mine for like five minutes and went, oh, okay. Yeah, they're horrible. <laughs> it's horrible. They look nice once it's full, full, full of junk, sure. But it's like so limited in where you can put things, how they look and things like that. I just, I don't like it. Now, part of that too is that I, that came about after <laughs> Wildstar. <laughs> and Wildstar's yeah. housing is quite literally the gold star oh, of what yeah, housing should be. Yeah. So I'm worried that maybe ESO is going to go the SWOTOR route of having, you know, the blocks and you can move your furniture within these blocks. You can move this here. I should say grids, not blocks. And I'm, I'm worried that's what it's going to do kind of thing. And you won't have nearly as much freedom. I don't know if that's the case. I'm just, I'm worried that might be the case. I mean, the images look nice. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, I don't know if they if they do if they do anything like the editors that they have in like Skyrim, which I have you played ESO at all? Yeah, really? Oh, yeah. yeah, not since launch. Well, okay, so you played during the dark times. Yes, uh, it did get better. Uh, it did actually get better, and it is it is moderately enjoyable, uh, at least to me. Like I'm not a huge Skyrim like fan, like everybody, like a bunch of people are, but. If they do anything like they had with how you play stuff and were able to edit things there, it'll be fine. And they did mention that it is a full-blown housing editor. So we'll see. I, I'm probably going to install and screw around with this to see what it looks like. Yeah, I'm kind of curious as to see. how these costs line up with the current in-game economies because the housing yeah. goes anywhere from... Uh, 11,000 gold up to almost 4 million for like the giant mansions. Like I'm just curious as to, you know, what portions of the player base can afford what types of housing. I'm also curious because they were saying that you can buy with both in-game gold as well as mm -hmm. crowns, which is when you're spending real money. So, and they're saying Not that, like that, but there's some homes that are crown store exclusive. Exactly. So one would, presume that those are going to be fairly nice ones especially because they said they're going to be limited as well and i like that a lot i like that a hell of a lot because then then there is a little bit of the bragging that you know that <laughs> hey, hey come and see my house and it's like holy shit when did you get that i can't see that in the store ha it's done i bought it like months ago I kind of like that. I like the the things that show that you've supported the game for some time. So it, the only concern is how much. Mm -hmm. And I didn't read anything saying how much those are going to cost. Because yeah, honestly, no, and if they throw them a couple bucks for a cool banner, sure. But yeah, and, not, and it looks like up. you can. It's going to be interesting too because it's going to be both available from the crown store as well as gold. So are they going to be striking a balance like some of the other games have? What's that balance going to be? And then they did mention that uh, there are going to be those crown store exclusive, like apartments and stuff like that, that look gorgeous. Maybe all we're seeing are those. I don't know. I do like also that it's going to be account wide. So mm -hmm. it's not a yeah. money grab of you got to buy it with every single one of your characters. Nope. One of them. And then you're, you're set to go. Although they are, which is how it should be, honestly. Oh, damn right! They are encouraging as well, collecting and getting as many as you can, kind of thing, with the various achievements. I think they said or whatever, if you get them all. So fucking houses like Pokemon, but uh, but yeah, no, I'm I'm really curious what it's going to, how it's going to translate to real money, and that's not going to be in the store. I think they said what the 24th of February is when they're putting the first ones up in the Crown Store. I believe that's correct, but I, they're they're definitely doing something in game already, because the CMs have been active handing out stuff based around the this coming expansion. So I don't know if they're trying to get, uh, I guess, a rough idea of who's going to log in to try to get things ready, or what's going on with that. I want to I kind of want to poke it at Scapes later and find out what the deal is. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I'm curious to see the the the, the houses as well. Definitely. Okay, let's move on. We also got some news about, and Vince and I were just talking about that pre-show about Diablo 3. I actually bounced back in for the season, season 9, and I was playing with my son. So we unlocked the pets and we unlocked all of the stuff for the lower level stuff and the portraits and the, the whatnot. So we, we unlocked all of that. And then we've each got a couple of characters that we're now playing. And 
because we haven't played for a number of seasons, we actually went back and looked, and the last season we played was six, and this is nine. So, yeah, we missed uh, a bunch of seasons there, but there was nothing much to play. Still, it's one of those types of games that if you've been away from it long enough and then you bounce back in just to have fun kind of thing, you recognize, you realize, oh, yeah, it is fun. It is a really fun, it can be a really fun game, and we were playing with friends and whatnot, so, yeah, having a lot of fun. But there is some new stuff that's uh, coming down the pipe for that as well. Yeah, we have patch 2.5 coming out for, I guess it's going to be season 10 coming up uh, soon. I don't know exactly when the, the seasons are lining up. But uh, this one has a, a couple interesting new features, uh, the first of which is long overdue, I would say, and that is the new armory feature, yeah. where not only do you save certain gear sets, but talent builds, uh, Kanai's Cube passive abilities, and everything. So with one button click, you can completely switch from one character build to another, which is a godsend. <laughs> that is going to be so bloody awesome. Literally set up your... Your solo speed runs, your group carrying, mm-hmm. and your progression builds, and boom, done. One button. Yeah, we've all we've swap. all been there. You're like, oh yeah, I'll help you run through a, a rift, and you try to switch over, and you're like, ah oh, crap, I forgot a rune, or you know, oh no, I'm wearing the wrong helmet. So this is this is great. Yeah. Oh yeah, I agree. Uh, beyond that, they're having a specially special storage tab for now crafting mats, but oh, like. Time. The, the stacks on those are go up to like a thousand, don't they? Like you're not really saving a whole lot of space in your stash by moving the crafting mats out of there. But yeah, you whatever. still are. I've got my main tab. Like my first tab is always full of crafting shit between the gems right, and everything else. No, but they're only talking about the stuff that you get from salvaging. Oh, so that's the gems just, won't go in there? No. Well, okay, well that's it says sucks. crafting materials picked up or or well, okay picked up or obtained through salvaging. So, no. But I don't know. If, I don't think they. I don't know if they consider gems crafting materials. Well, they are. You craft them to make them better. We'll find out, won't we? So that would also include like the Herodric stash stuff. So that that does help, I guess. I would like to see all of the legendary gems also get their own tab. Because you run enough greater rifts. Yeah, that that is. There's what, like 50 of them at this point? That's annoying. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. And the big thing here is Power Creep Ahoy, because they are now introducing primal ancient legendary items. <laughs> At first we had legendary items and then the chance More of getting, prefixes! <laughs> the chance of getting an ancient legendary item, which was exactly the same as a legendary item, but the stat caps were increased by I think like 20-25%. So now a primal legendary item is an even more powerful version of the exact same item. And this is just kind of what's kind of pulled me away from Diablo 3 with the last several patches that there's nothing really new. They're just p- continually yeah. pumping up the numbers. Yeah. Like that that's that's what they're doing is okay, everybody's now doing 10,000% damage. So now we're going to introduce these new Difficulty levels, which the only thing that they're changing in the difficulty is now the enemies are doing 10,000% damage. So now we need gear that does 20,000% damage. So it's just, I, I would like to see them adjust the difficulty through mechanics instead of just raw numbers. Because it's, it's, it's the same thing. Like, it's not any more challenging or fun. It's just throwing bigger and bigger numbers at you. And it's, it, it kind of burned me out on the game. That said, my son loves those big numbers. <laughs> Oh, I, he's playing sure. his he's playing the impale demon hunter and today he was yeah, well, you're literally 14 billion he was like <laughs> i got over a billion on my my yeah. thing and i was like stop showing off <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i'm just right now again it's i'm enjoying it but i it's the same thing that we've done many many times already so yeah there's literally nothing actually new to the game in i want to say the last five seasons maybe not five but at least four yeah but yeah i i'm looking forward to when the necro finally gets in so that we'll get at least uh, it's not a new class, Some but a different stuff. class. Yeah. It, it's not play. new. It's just a different flavor of yeah. the same thing. Yeah. So yeah, we'll see. 
Okay, moving on. Joe, you found some Sea of Thieves news on the co-op stuff as well. Yeah, actually, so we knew that there was going to be a lot of interplay between crew members, and we've been talking about that for a while. It's one of the things that we actually like about that. We actually got to see some PvP combat. Uh, And in this video, you're seeing, you know, people boarding the ship and, you know, repelling boarders and what happens after they die, which apparently is a ghost ship. You actually go to Davy Jones's ship. How fucking cool is that Uh, to this daring jump from one ship to the other to go steal the treasure to jump back onto their original ship and make their way back home. Like it is just really cool. Uh, And not only that, but in between bouts of destroying your fellow pirates and stealing their treasure or ships and sending them to Davy Jones's locker, you can play a lovely little sea ditty or shanty on your concertina or weird harmonium type devices which i thought was absolutely hysterical that there was at one point there was just a bunch of them sitting around playing musical instruments in a video game about pirates i kind of think that's awesome myself i do i think it's a, i think it's a, that's a selling point to me damn right but we, it's we one need of the, more games that was actually, like that what's that we need more games like that well, and this is something that that was actually born of them listening to player feedback. Like a lot of the game play that we're seeing are direct like notes that they got from players that were like, it would be cool if you could do this. This is something that we think should happen. This is really lame. Don't do this anymore. And they're trying to craft a an experience that is, well, you're never going to please everybody all the time, but is enjoyable for a majority of people and i think that's really noble because it's a difficult thing to try to do to begin with let alone you know you're trusting player feedback and those players are just as likely to go say you know fuck you this game sucks make it better and not give you any actual feedback as they are to actually give constructive feedback but apparently the community that they've been engaging with the players that have been playing like the alpha with them and things like that have been really constructive and ideas i guess being a pirate brings out the best of players (laughs) who the fuck knew so we still don't have a release date for that that's sometime this year but they haven't said when have they no they haven't if i had a hazard i guess it's probably going to be like holiday season so probably like october november See, I think this is a game that really needs to come out outside of the holiday window. Like, I mean, this would be a perfect summer release. I mean, kids are out of school. It's a perfect time for a big co-op game. Because if you start releasing this in September, October, it's going to get completely overshadowed by all the big dogs, just like every other small game that comes out in that window. I agree. Yeah, and that, that's a that's a big worry, and I agree with you. I really hope that they speed it up and kind of push to summer because I want to steal a pirate ship. I don't know about you, but oh, I really want to get out there and oh. steal a goddamn pirate ship. Oh, Sir Reginald will be getting in all manner of trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh God, this is going to be great. And Vince won't be the narrator, so we can actually force him to walk the plank. (laughs) Fucking right. (laughs) Listen, if you want to send me an Xbox One, you can force me to do whatever you want. It's coming out on uh, Windows as well. If you (laughs) want to send me a new PC, you can force me to do whatever (laughs) you want. (laughs) I'm looking at you, Alicia. All right, let's move on. We got a crap load of news about Resident Evil 7 as well, which finally well, not so released. Much news, it's out. <laughs> well, no, I mean in terms of some people oh, yeah, playing it and seeing and, yeah. and getting the reviews and, and all of that. So this is the first real quote-unquote VR game coded from beginning to end for people to play in VR. You don't have to, but a lot of people are. It's the last count I saw was over 60,000 people that played it in VR versus normally. And Vince, you found this video of someone playing through quite a bit and, and just talking about it as well. And, yeah, it's it's a talk show I watch regularly. It's called uh, Dropped Frames. It's about you know streaming on Twitch. So of the three hosts, uh, It Me JP, Co Carnage, and Ezekiel the Third, and they also brought in Maximilian as their uh, rotating fourth chair for this episode. Everybody except JP has played the game in VR, and they had nothing but glowing things to say about the VR portion. Like, of course, they had things, you know, small complaints about the game itself. But I mean, there's. Any game's going to have some small bits, but just hearing them talk about the VR experience kind of started to turn me. <laughs> oh, yeah. I Again, we we played the, the demos, 
And and this is one of the things that they talked about in that stream as well, wherein it can cause a lot of nausea for people if you just move around normally, quote unquote, in the mm-hmm. game. And that's what I found. I found the nausea level was ridiculous if I just moved normally, whereas when my son played it, pff, didn't bother him at all. But there's another setting that you could do where it kind of snaps to quarters almost when you mm-hmm. move. And that really helps a lot, though I still kind of found that it, it gave me nausea. Although that said, and I was talking to Joe about this, I actually found there's a a device that was that, that came out. I don't know when it came out, and it wasn't developed for VR, but it was developed for anti-nausea. And picture a watch, but picture it like you would wear it. Oh, yeah, I've seen those little things. Yeah, the, with the watch face on the bottom of your wrist, not the top. Mm-hmm. And it sends little jolts, little pulses through to the nerve endings that are right there at your wrist. And they actually regulate then that sense of nausea and gets rid of it. And so it just kind of was one of those happy flukes that it really apparently helps a lot for VR. So I actually ordered one. It literally showed up this afternoon. And so I'm going to be testing that out to see whether or not it'll allow me to play some of these fucking games that I paid for that I can't play right now. So, but anyways, go on. You, you know, it's interesting about that, by the way, they also use that for relieving morning sickness in pregnant women. Not surprising. Cause it works mm-hmm. for, again, they suggested for all manner of nausea. Problems. Yeah. I used mm-hmm. to see them all over the place in Florida for seasickness. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm hoping it's going to work. I tested it on my hand. It's kind of weird when you jack it up, your hand starts kind of twitching <laughs> like it's alive. <laughs> it's got a mind of its own. Sorry, go on. (laughs) No, just a a really great discussion about, you know, how the game works in VR and how they say no other, like, they can't play a horror game anymore that's not in VR and not up to this quality because nothing will be scary again. Because I I loved, because as the three of them were talking about it, JP was taking clips off of their streams and playing it over the videos and just watching them continually losing their shit over and over again. I've seen... I watched like the first hour of the game, like in a regular playthrough, not a VR playthrough. And I stopped there because holy shit, like I really want to play this game now. Like, I don't know like how you guys are feeling about it, but as somebody who I've never been into the Resident Evil games, like it's never clicked with me. This game looks so amazing from like the batshit crazy horror level, but that kind of winking nod to this is still obviously a video game because this jar of first aid gel is going to magically heal your wounds. And like all the cool video game stuff that they're just throwing in there that is 100% in line with the Resident Evil franchise while also being this like legit horror freak show game. I I'm enamored with it, but I've got enough to play right now anyway. The only thing holding me back right now is the the cost because again yeah. with the conversion rate as it is right now i'm looking at spending 80 bucks for it and that's the the plain like no ce or anything like that collectors it's just a plain jane one is like 80 bucks so mm-hmm. i'm just i want to wait until it goes down at least a little bit but every time i'm seeing something like this it's like i just this is why i bought that goddamn that, that's one thing they all talked about on uh, on the video of is the game worth it? And they said, unless you're a huge fan of the franchise, you know, it's an eight, maybe 10 hour experience for $60. It you might want to wait a little bit. Like they said, it's a fantastic game. They all loved playing it. They all loved playing it in VR. But it, it, as an objective consumer, you might want to wait for a price drop. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm going to start checking out the um the hawk shops around and see mm-hmm. if I can just get it used because it won't matter and and then play it because again I I don't want to spend 80 dollars on it. I really don't. But <laughs> have, I Have either of you actually seen any of the actual game outside of the demos? Outside oh, of seven, the, yeah. Well, only the the videos. Like I mm-hmm. I've watched some streams though not all of them because I want the jump scares to actually jump scare me. Yeah, that's that's why I stopped watching after yeah. like that first forty five minutes or so. Like Alicia and I were watching a game through gameplay of it, and we were both just losing our shit. Like with the the, the wife and the chainsaws and the, the the car and the fire. Like it was absolutely insane. And 
I mean, all credit to Capcom for completely overhauling the franchise and turning it into something new. While, like I said, maintaining the core of what actually a Resident Evil game is. Yeah. Because like, I liked a lot of the aspects of Resident Evil as far as like the exploration and the puzzle solving and stuff. I just didn't like actually playing the games. So if you can keep the core concepts with modern day gameplay, I'm all in. I again, I it's driving me nuts how much I want to play this. <laughs> it really is. And it's like, oh fuck, it's just again, it's the cost. So all right, moving on. We got a crap load of news for other games as well, including an upcoming Avengers game, which is kind of awesome. Didn't upcoming get a ton of air news. But go go. I mean, I I aside from the fact that Square Enix is partnering with Marvel for this, I didn't I didn't see what you were talking about because oh, I that, 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 that's all there is. They that's said, all. Hey, Again, it's game. A, you'll find out more next year. Yeah, this is, that's what I saw. And I'm like, that can't be it. Right. Like that can't be all there is. There has to be something, some reason. Like and it's a cool because it, the idea is that it's a multi-game franchise that they're going to be working on. So maybe hopefully I'm going to pull out for maybe a Deus Ex style Avengers game. Oh, yeah, the creators of Deus Ex, Hitman, and Tomb Raider are working on Avengers games. Do you really need to know more than that right that, now? See, to me, that's what has me excited. Because I, I, what's funny is that I was comparing it in my mind to what you're playing in FF15. Even mm-hmm. before you talked about how horrible the oh. was. But oh. I was thinking, let's translate that now to, say, an Avengers game. Where let's just imagine that the core storyline is actually not all that interesting but all the other stuff is a ton of fun whether it's crafting oh, you mean like new actual we- comics what's that yeah like <laughs> whether it's crafting weapons doing street level fighting thugs or just the life of a superhero kind of thing i'm down for that i don't care if the main story sucks if you get to do all of the fun stuff same as what you're doing in FF15, but as a superhero, I I would actually buy that sight unseen. I I would. Love you know, that. I'm gonna laugh when it's like, "Hey, congratulations! Welcome to the Avengers, uh, the Avengers Tower. You're in the mailroom now. Uh, you're be- <laughs> you gotta work your way up. All right. Listen, if you give me a papers, please, set in the Marvel universe as the guy working in Tony Stark's mailroom, I'll play it." <laughs> You think Squirrel Girl was just boom an Avenger like that? She was a babysitter. She had to work her way up. <laughs> Anyways, I I think it's awesome again, and it's not because we saw anything, but it's because of what we're seeing presently with Square Enix, and then kind of imagining where they're going to go with that. And, well, and not only that, what we're seeing from Marvel about how yes, they're yes. picking and choosing who they want to partner with for various games. Yep. So, I mean, th- this is going to be you know their Avengers initiative for video games. Like, I'm going to imagine it's going to be like a Thor game, a Captain America game, an Iron Man game, and then eventually like a crossover, like they're actually doing in the movies, which that would be cool as shit. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I mean, and to be perfectly honest, Square Enix is sort of a safe call for them, right? Like, they got a ton of money to throw behind it. Their yeah, Square pedigree... Enix knows how to make games that make lots yeah. of money. And their pedigree is is untouched. Like, so. so yeah. And then we got the Kickstarter for, oh, well, actually, it wasn't a Kickstarter, though. It was it's that other fig. thing. What's that? Yeah, it's a fig. A fig, yeah. Fig. For uh, Pillars of Eternity, too. Yes, Pillars of Eternity 2 is currently up on FIG, and it's doing quite well. It's doubled its goal, uh, which actually right now is about a 50-50 split between just regular like Kickstarter-style pledges and the actual FIG investment funds because the way FIG works, we've talked about it before. You can actually get an investment and a return on said investment uh, once the game comes out. But the cool thing that we're seeing here uh, with Pillars of Eternity 2, Deadfire, Obsidian did well enough with the first Pillars of Eternity that the sequel was going to happen, like regardless. The crowdfunding measure is just to make the game better. So with the amount that they've done here, uh, mechanically, you're going to be able to each all the classes now are going to have subclasses. Uh, multi-classing is going to be in the game because they come from, of course, an old school D&D background with Baldur's Gate and just... All the stuff they're adding in here isn't stuff that would have made the game, but it's stuff that's going to make the game better. And I think that's a really interesting way to approach this. But the game itself, like I 
I haven't played too much of the first Pillars of Eternity. I own it, and it's you know, deep in the backlog. But I, I thought really you'd been playing it. it. I, I had played it. Yes. Oh, I thought you were playing it now, though. I thought you'd been playing it. No, no, that was Path of Exile, different Poe. Gotcha. <laughs> I don't always pay attention. How, how can you not keep that straight, Roger? Jeez, I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, so this is uh, spinning directly out of the original game, which to the point where just like in Baldur's Gate, you can actually bring your character over into the sequel if you want to, where the keep that you've settled in after the events of the first game is completely destroyed by a giant stone titan that is embodied by the thought-dead god of light and rebirth. It just gets up out of the ground, wrecks your shit, and takes off. So you're chasing a giant god titan across the continent to the Deadfire Archipelago, which is where the game is going to take place. And we don't know too much more beyond that, but I just like the idea of setting a game in an you know, archipelago-type setting because it allows for, first of all, very interesting visuals, but a very nice mix of different cultures and stuff that you can get into there with the, the various islands, each kind of having their own flair a little more so than you can do in a typical like continent based game. So uh, this is something that's going to happen. Uh, so, and it looks like it's going to happen with a good amount of money behind it. And yeah. I, I, as much as I'm enjoying the first one now, this is going to give me some uh, motivation to actually get around to finishing it. <laughs> cool. And then we also got some news on Psychonauts 2. Which also links back to Fig. Go figure. Uh, so, Psychonauts 2. <laughs> what? What? Don't you dare. So, Psychonauts <laughs> 2 actually hit its goal on Fig uh, last year, and it was actually very similar. It was a 50 50 split between pledges and investment, uh, and it raised about $3.8 million. And it kind of disappeared for a little while, and it looked like Double Fine was kind of hunting around for a publisher. Well, they found one, Starbreeze, people that brought you Payday 2. And not only is Starbreeze going to be publishing it and bringing it to the PS4, the Xbox One, and the PC sometime in 2018, they're also going to invest $8 million more into the project. Wow. That, so I want you to, not only did this make almost $4 million, they're throwing another $8 million at it. That's kind of huge. Uh, so it's Double Fine's going to continue to develop the game and own the IP, uh, but Starbreeze's shares of the revenue will become 60% after the investment is recouped. So basically, they're going to get 100% of their first their investment back once the game launches. Um, I think it's then it's 85% after that, and then it's going to be 60% after that, which is very smart on them because if any of the Double Fine games are a good indicator, plus the fig and how people pledged on it, this is going to sell. And Psychonauts 2 is probably one of the more anticipated platformers. I think Psychonauts 1 is, what, 10 years old now? Uh, a little more than least. that. A little more than 10? I'd yeah. say more than that, yeah. And it came out on the original Xbox, didn't it? Yes. Oh, no, yeah, it, it did. did. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. It absolutely did. So it's it's a pretty old game. Yeah, closing in on 15 at this point, I believe. But it's still beloved, and it's still one of those games that people love to play. And I, I mean, I still have it. I still play it. Oh, yeah. I, I, got, I, I have an HD edition of it, I think, on Steam somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Same here. But it's... I'm actually excited for this because we have a date, we have a publisher, which means it's actually getting done. And we did see some little gameplay footage, actually, with uh, Tim Schafer going through it. But it wasn't much more than just here's how mechanics and movement work, which looked fluid and gorgeous and hopefully translates through the rest of the game. I'm pumped. I want this fucking game. They're actually going to be doing some VR stuff with that one as well, too, which is kind of cool. Yeah, everybody's doing uh, VR. Yeah, but Psychonauts in VR is going to be a very different experience from your traditional VR game. Actually, that's due out later this February, isn't it? And it's I think it's Psychonauts in the Rhombus of Ruin is the name of it. Yeah, but I thought they were they were incorporating some VR elements into the Psychonauts two as well. I could be wrong, but I was almost positive that if they they're were. already going through the trouble of making the VR spinoff, it's I'm sure they'll move yeah, some of the elements in. Yeah, like based on some of the stuff that I've done for VR, be a demo or games that I've odd kind of thing, that kind of quirky uh, animation, you would maybe think, well, yeah, but your brain won't think it's real when you're in it. It won't be quite as cool. It fucking is. It's awesome like it's it's ridiculous how your brain adjusts like that to a a cartoon atmosphere and it's like yep this is real and then just 
go with it. Like, I mean, one of the 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 the, the little quote unquote experiences you can do is you are the 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 one with the uh, damn it, I can't remember the name now. The one where the aliens come down and you work with a rabbit to defeat the aliens, and it's just this little scene. You really don't do anything per se. You just kind of stay there and watch the shit happens. But there's this massive fucking white rabbit. <laughs> like again, when you're looking at the screen, it's like, okay, well, it's not that big. When you are in the VR, there's a big fucking rabbit. And then you watch and the spaceship comes down and it's all a very cutesy animation style, but you're there. It's phenomenal. So this kind of stuff for Psychonauts would just make the game that much better. Well, it's also interesting because, I mean, Psychonauts, these are psychic kids. You have powers of the brain. So putting it into like a VR first person mode just seems like the next logical step as far as I'm concerned. I agree. I agree. Okay. And then there was also this drawn to death that you were talking about. So this is an interesting one. Uh, So it's from the mind of David Jaffe, who is behind Twisted Metal and God of War as well. And it's a... Shooter brawler is how it was described. It's an arena combat for it's a four player arena combat style game. But what was interesting to me is the art style about it. It's so the basic idea is that you as the players are going into this world created by a bored high school teenager who's drawing in their notebook, creating these characters, coming up with these arenas, coming up with these places in the world. And the aesthetic is to me, super, super cool because everything looks like it's drawn with colored pens, not pencils, not markers, not, you know, these super amazing artistic things. It looks like it was drawn by a teenager, including the environments that look like they were drawn by a really disturbed kid. And I think that's really, really interesting. And what caught me about it is that the goal is to make a smart shooter brawler where it's not just pull the trigger and kill your opponent. It's how do your character's abilities interact with the people that you're playing against? What are the nuances there? Like they showed off one of the uh, the characters, Diablo, Diablo, I can't, I don't remember what her, Diablo Diana or something like that, basically female devil. And there was another character that can throw demons at people. She can actually absorb the demons. That's pretty kind of cool. It, it's an interesting concept. And apparently there is going to be some form of story that goes along with it. I have a feeling it's going to skew towards the twisted metal style of things. Uh, but we'll see what happens. I just thought it was cool. Yeah, we actually haven't seen much of this game. Like it was at it was E3 back. or PSX yeah, like two years ago. Yeah. Yep, I remember that as well, too, because it was one of those things we talked about it. The concept is very cool. And listening to him talk about it, he was saying how they're they're not limited. They can do whatever they want because it's the child's imagination and drawing. So they can really go nuts with it. But no, I remember them talking about it forever ago and I'd forgotten about it. And so it's nice to see that it's getting made and they're getting closer to done. I also enjoy the uh, little FMV that they put in at the beginning, too. I thought that was an interesting nod to some of the older games as well. Yeah. Okay. And then last bit of news, and it's really not much. Once again, just like the Avengers, it's more of a hint. It looks like we're getting another Batman Arkham game. So it sounds like it's going to be following up on Arkham Origins and just be shortly thereafter kind of thing, which would still put it before Arkham Asylum. If... You know, rumors are to be believed. I don't know how I feel about that right now. And part of that is because I'm I'm kind of getting a little overwhelmed with Batman at this point. <laughs> I've been playing. But he's a, the only thing Warner Brothers has that makes money. I've been playing not a true, lot of Not true. Not true. Justice 2 is coming out. <laughs> it's starring Batman. And, and Superman. Superman. Who's acting like Batman. But still Superman. <laughs> Superman sucks in Injustice. And I don't mean his character sucks. That kind of goes without saying. Playing Batman sucks in Injustice. I fucking hate it. You know who the best is in in Injustice? Aquaman. No. Batgirl. Fucking right. And I'm not just saying that because Babs is the best. She actually is the best. (laughs) But it's one of those where I piss off Tristan because I'm always doing the same thing. (laughs) It works. And I win. 
So the, there you go. But yeah, I've been. <laughs> and doing, he learns a lesson about life. That's right. <laughs> Your old man. Star swipe, rainbow you. across the screen. But uh, but no, I've been doing the Arkham Origins Blackgate on the the Vita, which again, as I, I've been saying, I'm really quite enjoying. Though it's not without its faults. I when I played it originally, when I bought it, I had only done a little bit of it, kind of thing, and then typical kind of fashion you play a little bit and then you move on to the next game and now that i'm trying to finish it and going through there's a lot of things that i really like about it i like that it's far more platforming as opposed to the 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 batman arkham games per se and but you still got a lot of the same flair same look and all that the the cutscenes are more animated stills which I dig. It looks great. The voice acting is still fantastic. One of the things, though, that I hate about it is that, well, I like that to activate detective mode, you just touch the front panel. So you just doop and boom, detective mode. The problem is, is that unlike the computer games or console games, you have to, uh, you, you essentially swipe your finger along the, the touch screen to investigate and analyze and to detect anything that may be hidden. So you, if you're not playing in detective mode, you'll be stuck in an area for a while looking, trying to figure out what the fuck you can do. And even though you may see a grate, you can't open it. You have to go into detective mode. You have to analyze the grate. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, you can open this to crawl to another section. So you're constantly running your fingers over the screen to analyze as you're switching screens essentially or changing rooms that's horrible that's a horrible design decision that somebody made that they should have been fired for other than that game is solid i'm really enjoying it a lot and then as i said once i'm done that i'll be playing arkham knight and fuck i hope to hell there isn't another arkham game after that to play. <laughs> don't worry there won't be a a single arkham game after that probably like four or five uh, you know what I'll do? I'll play the, the Lego Batman games. That's like my palate cleanser. <laughs> and then I'll be good to go. Anyways, that is going to wrap up the episode for this week. Thank you very much for joining us. You can find the show notes, of course, at ForTheLore.com. You can also find us on Twitter at ForTheLore or individually. Joe is Loaders at J. Vince is Samodian and I am Zen Buddhist. You can also find us on iTunes and Stitcher if you would like to leave us a comment. And with that, we will see you guys next week. Looking for a place to play Well, I thought my picking would set him on fire But nobody wanted to hire a guitar man Well, I nearly about starved to death down in Memphis Thank you for listening to For the Lore Each week, the show is broadcast live on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Stop by forthelore.com slash live to join the conversation and have your thoughts discussed on the show If you'd like to hear more from the guys check out Comic Book Informer a weekly podcast from Vince and Roger as well as Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast. And lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. We encourage everyone to check out his site, ManelliJamal.com, or find him on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs.